Welcome to CouchCast, everybody. It is CouchCast number 29. <laughs> Master Torgo talking to you. Dr. Vlarg, looking at you. Just uh, sitting on the couch. It's so creepy you can see them. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by the letters F and U and the number whiskey. <laughs> and Scotch whiskey. It's always brought to us by that number. Mm. My favorite little number. Well, we're here to talk Weekend Geek. These are the funny little happenings that you weren't aware that was happening. If you were aware, then, well, you're just as big a geeks as we are, aren't you? That's yes. hard to do. But, uh, Barry, go ahead and start with your list. What did you find? Well, let me tell you. Uh, in no particular order, um, we have a first look at some images from uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. They're available online. I think I found mine at Sci-Fi Wire. Okay. It's a good news site. And, uh... I I gotta say the kids are the kids are all right. The kids are all right. The kids are looking a little older. Hmm. They'll do that. Yeah. And it's that weird thing, like when they start actually growing, you know, and they start aging. Yeah. Especially you notice it really with uh, Emma Watson. Yeah, I know you notice it with Emma Watson. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, she's legal now. Oh yeah. She, she could drink uh, now, at least in England. In yes, England, she can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some pictures of her in a bikini. She's still very young, and you could tell. I yes. am. I am very curious as to all three of those main actors where they go from there. I mean, they all have uh, West End credits ahead of them for the rest of their lives. But who is actually going to continue on in film, and how? Well, I'll tell you. I don't think that, uh, and I hate to say it, I don't think Harry Potter. Uh, what's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Isn't gonna be big. In Aren't film. like a couple of them just going to college just to well, get it out of the college. way? Yeah, okay. she'll be fine. She'll she'll move on and do good stuff. I think Rupert's she's, going to college too. Rupert again. Uh, I think he's gonna be big in England. He's gonna do English film. I think he's gonna be good. Uh, I don't. I don't think Radcliffe's gonna do amazing. This is what I think. Radcliffe is going to become a consummate theatrical actor in London's West End. Yes, I agree. I mean, he's already proven himself in Equus and so on that he can do some heady chops on the stage, and I think you're just going to continue with that. I think you're going to see Radcliffe starring in Macbeth and Hamlet, and as he gets older, The Tempest. You know, it's going to be... West End guy. He's going to be Harry Potter, who then became this Shakespearean actor, and then, when he's in his 40s, he will be a captain of some starship in the next Star Trek TV show. (laughs) No, the reason I think that is because I saw him in an interview, and... He was very kind of unsure of himself. You know, I remember, he's still new, new to all this crazy fame. Um, How was he new to it? It's been going on since 2000. At least in the interview. Um, and the interview was in 2002, I think it was. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay, then it was kind of new then still. Still, it's kind of shocking to go from no fame to, Hi, I'm freaking Harry Potter. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, can't walk down the city street without being mobbed. Um, and I know that's horrible. You know, there's I've, been, no, I've been through it. It's terrible. There's no Potter moms. There's no Potter moms? No, not that there are. Not, I mean, not to the extent that you see Twilight. There's no. I don't think there's, there's no. I want to anyway, rape that seventeen-year-old anyway, Potter mom. I, I don't think there's moms out there that, <sighs> that really read the Harry Potter though. Are yeah, there, there are. Oh, there are. I mean, there's some, but there not are. to the. Oh, anyway, <laughs> about Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> um, the, the point I'm trying to make is that he's. Uh, he was very unsure of himself in, in in a few interviews I've seen, and kind of like weird, not like he's not quite grown into his look, you know. He so, was a little awkward for a while. Yeah, he's a little awkward. I think you give him a few years, and he'll and he'll grow into his into his looks, 
And uh, if he does some more TV and some more movies, I think he'll be fine. But I think this awkward period is going to be weird for him uh, career-wise. No, he's gonna and be Emma Watson's going to be in porn. For... <laughs> <laughs> Barry's hoping. With his fing- he's sitting here with his fingers crossed. No, I'm not hoping. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It's fact. She's going to be in porn. Well, what is considered porn in a few years. Because, you know, as we all know, Maxim is one step away from porn. And uh, in a few years, porn will be one step away from porn. <laughs> How is Maxim one step closer to porn? Well, it's, uh, you know, a lot of the pictures are, like, fully nude with just covering the, the naughty bits. Well, yeah. Well, in the U.S., in, like, in the, the, US. the English and, you know, the European versions, there's actually full-on nudity in Maxim. So how, well, that's I just recently so found how is, this out. So how is it not porn? Well, I'm, I'm just asking ah. him how he considers it one step removed from porn i mean oh, you from mean, what i know you of mean, course the kind of porn i know is people driving trains up people's asses so <laughs> i don't think she's gonna do that i mean okay on, let's well, have some respect okay. for the girl please all right i, I was just not unless she goes setting, down setting that heroin context road. here because mm. you know barry's idea of porn is like the hardcore shit so that's where i was trying to get I some see. some delineation here <laughs> anyway <laughs> i think it would do her career world a good is there digressing going on there's so much competition for young actors and actresses in Hollywood now, and the big thing that gets them going, gets them in the public eye, little, little, little sex tape. Homemade sex tape. Yeah. Homemade sex tape. Who, did you know who Paris Hilton was before her sex tape? No. I only knew who she was because she hung around Las Vegas, and I heard her, oh, Paris Hilton's here, Paris Hilton's there. Who? Oh, the drunk girl. Who <laughs> 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 sleeps with anyone. Didn't know then and still don't know or care. Yeah, about well, Paris Hilton. Anyway, I'm going to just skip right ahead. Yes, please do. Uh, Tron sequel makers will reinvent another sci-fi classic. Yes, oh, I, yeah, heard, really? I read about this one. Disney's reaching into its back catalog for some sci-fi material. First it was Tron, and now a reboot of the 1979 movie notable for being the most expensive movie the studio had ever produced at that time, The Black Hole. Hells yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first projects to be put under development by the new studio chief, Rich Ross. So uh, the original, if you don't know... Followed a group of space explorers aboard the USS Palomino, which is also a strip club. Uh, well, not in the movie, but here in Vegas. <laughs> no wonder it was so expensive. Yeah. Uh, who come across a lost ship, the USS Cygnus, hovering outside a black hole. Inside the Cygnus, the explorers meet a scientist commanding an army of uh, faceless robots who explains his crew deserted him as he planned to go through the black hole. Uh, the explorers soon discover that the robots are remnants of the former crew, and the scientist has no intention of letting them leave. Um, I gotta tell you. There's some big science problems with this, but you can kind of, you can, you can dismiss them because it's Disney. Because it's a movie. Well, you yeah. could back, way back then. I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll update it some. I mean, update yeah. it some. It's a black hole. Hi, we're the black hole. Now we're all dead. That's End a of movie. movie. Roll the credits. That movie had a really trippy ending. I don't remember it. Remember like Maximilian melding with the guy and yes. Dude, I don't know. I'll, I'll remember it was shown to us in the auditorium at like when I was in third grade. What? Why? It, it, it was over all of our heads. <laughs> in the third grade, we were grasping. We just knew the robot looked cute. Oh, I Which remember one, that old thing. Bob or no, uh, Maximilian? Bob. Yeah, Bob. Maximilian. What the... I'm too old. I'm old, Bob. I think I had an action figure. 
<laughs> I hope it was Maximilian. I actually had the Maximilian yeah. action figure. That was a badass looking robot, Maximilian. It really was. He, and he, he didn't walk. He just floated. No, he, he floated. He was. He floated right at you. He was the recognizer of his time. Yes. Wow. That's good. Thank you. I like that. <laughs> I'm stealing that. Well, going back to the whole Makers of Tron thing, I thought I'd bring it full circle. All right, consider it stolen. Stephen King says he's working on a sequel to The Shining. Bless him. Oh, that's an interesting idea, because if I remember right, the Overlook was destroyed. He says it might be called Dr. Sleep. I like the name. The second novel would center on Danny Torrance, the young boy from the original story, with mm-hmm. the gift of being able to communicate clairvoyantly with ghosts, and who's now an appropriately aged 40-year-old. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. All these years after being tormented by the spiritual inhabitants of the Overlook Hotel and his father's alcoholism and homicidal rage, uh, Danny's now working at a hospice, using his supernatural powers for palliative purposes. And uh, they're going to call it Dr. Sleep. That's a fantastic idea. I like it. All work and no The Shining was released in... Jack and Dull Boy. Wow, The Shining was released in 1977. Yep. That makes it 32 years old. It does. That's very old. And still holds up to this day. That is a fine, fine book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'll watch the it. The movie's good, too. Never get Deb in there. It's scary. <laughs> she won't sleep for days. Here's Johnny. Ah! Yeah. No. Although I like She might the, be able uh, to handle that version better than, uh, than the, <laughs> the television the version. TV, yeah. The television version. What's the deal with the television version? It's like version? a mini-series. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Kubrick uh, toned down a lot of the ghost, ghosty stuff in it and uh, from the book. And while the TV version, of course, is more faithful to the novel, which is very ghost-ridden. Hmm. Oh, when I think of The Shining, I don't think of the ghosts. I always think of crazy... Jack Nicholson. That's because that's what they decided to make the movie about. Even and though creepy, it's, what's it's, a, it's a heavy part of the story, the, the differences are so thick. I, I, I actually prefer the television version. I actually yeah. like the Simpsons version. The, sin, the Shinning. <laughs> the Shinning. Ooh, okay, what the hell is the Shinning? You never oh, saw that? It was go. on the Treehouse of, no. of Horror? No. It was hilarious. With the that, Shinning! When he's like, isn't it supposed to be The Shining? No, there's copyright laws. Uh, like when when ah, Homer's, you already lost me. When Homer's smashing down the doors instead of here's Johnny. Oh wait! <laughs> First time he goes, he goes David Letterman. I remember oh. that now. I remember <laughs> that is. now. I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Morley Saver. All of this and Andy Rooney on 60 Minutes. Ah! I guess we had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, if Paul were here, he would be laughing his ass off right now. He knows. Scientology charged with slavery and human trafficking. It's about time. Finally, a formal complaint was filed in. California last week by John Lindstein naming David Miscavige, who like runs the Church of Scientology after L. Ron Hubbard died, and the Church of Scientology International as defendants. No more and, nuclear uh, power. Lindstein <laughs> claims that for 16 years, from age 8, he was forced to work as a slave at Gold Base, the secret Church of Scientology <laughs> site run by Golden Era Productions, with razor wire, security guard patrols, surveillance posts, and three roll calls each day. Gold Base? That's what it's called. Is that uh, run by Gold Leader and Red Leader? <laughs> Shut up. I'm serious. It's, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> yes. The pay was $50 a week. The allegations include violations of wage and hour laws, as well as unfair illegal business practices actionable under California law. Did you say $50 wow. a week? Yeah. Wow. And a complaint under the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery. It's a rough market out there. Members of the group Anonymous praised the summons, and we all love Anonymous. That's They're, true. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. I don't know if they're directly related to the beatards, but uh, if they are, 
That's awesome. Er. Awesome. Er. Awesome. Er. It adds the awesome. At least by a factor of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Gold base is real. Go to Xenu.net. Learn about the Church of Scientology and stay the hell away from me. If you're a Scientologist listening to our podcast, please write us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. I'd love to get your opinion on things and to laugh at you. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know any Scientologists? No, no, I don't. Although I've uh, I've taken the test. Oh, really? That little questionnaire well, test, that little it's personality the, design, test. It, the test is designed so that oh yeah, you without a doubt, I'm a Scientologist. I know what I want for Christmas. A Scientology test? I want an e meter. You're not having one. Those are expensive. Really? Yes. How expensive are e meters? The whole thing's expensive. That's the whole shining nugget no, of that I religion. I just want an e meter. I want to test you with it. I want to go around and like pretend to test people with it and see what they say. You go and price an e-meter, and you tell me that thing's not going to be super expensive. Okay, here we go. J- just for the Scientology markup alone. E-meter. Yes. Costs how much? Um, I don't know. I'm going to look it up while you're talking. All right. later. All right. I'll bring it up later, All and right. uh, yeah, it'll be fun, and Moving we'll see on. if we're Scientologists. <laughs> or we have too many Thetans or... Whatever the hell the aliens want. You're a Thetan. Your mom's a Thetan. Games Workshop goes after Fansite. Boing Boing has a recent post regarding Games Workshop, the guys who make Warhammer and Warhammer 50K. Fine products. Yes. Uh, and their aggressive posturing against fan sites, which I wasn't even aware of, featuring derivative work of their game products. You mean like fanfic? Sort of. Game publisher and miniature manufacturer Games Workshop just sent a cease and desist later to BoardGameGeek.com, which is a good site. Yeah, it is a good site. I love BoardGameGeek.com. Telling them to remove all fan-made players' aids. This includes scenarios, rules summaries, inventory manifests, scans to help replace worn pieces, many of these created for long, out-of-print, well-loved games. As a lifelong uh, hobby gamer of table, board, card, and miniature games, that the person who wrote this views this as pure heresy. Uh, in 2007, they forbid Warhammer fan films. This year, they shut down like some specific, some specific modules that All people right. were writing. And a while back, they went after retailers as well. So, what happens to fair use? You know, look, are they making profit work... off of it? If they're making profit off it, that's one thing. But I don't believe they are. Here's then the th- they can't force them to take it down. Mm. No, they can because it's still intellectual property. Not if it's fan based. Even if it's fan modules, ba- if it's fan based modules based off their their game featuring derivative work, I mean, if you have a module and you have a strength that is an eighteen ba- three to eighteen base with intelligence, constitution, charisma, you are then infringing on Dungeons and Dragons officially because they have that whole system locked up in their rights. So if you are using those same stats for a figure game such as Warhammer, then yeah, you are going over their intellectual rights if they so decide to push on it. The problem is that Warhammer is still its its biggest fan area is still Europe and and England. It's uh it's very very niche in the United States. And even very hard to find, even in large cities. I, I know of two places in Las Vegas that I can buy Warhammer stuff, and that's it. We're a big city. Right. So you have to cultivate a fan base. You have to... Not alienate it. Yeah, you, you have to allow them to embrace your product, share things with each other, so they can get not only themselves excited, but other people around them excited to purchase your products. If you're knocking out 
you know, fan fiction or homemade movies or even homemade scenarios, knocking out replacement pieces for defunct board games, of which they have many, mm-hmm. I might right. add, you're, you're just stabbing your own customer base in the foot. Mm-hmm. We Craziness. don't like that. It's ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, I found a price on the e-meter. Yeah. You ready to spend about 500 bucks? No, I thought it was going to be something pretty heavy. There's even a bronze one for like Did you find it 3, on eBay? <laughs> you a really can find it on eBay. Jade Quantum E-Meter Mark 7, Gold Quantum E-Meter, number 50 of 100 made. Buy it now for nine grand. How much for a broken one? A broken one? I don't know, but the lowest price one we got here is about 500 I'd rather have a PKE meter. Yeah, well, and that probably would be less expensive. Yeah. By the way, here's a little bit of trivia. They used the PKE meter again in They Live. Yes, they yep. did. They sure did. It was so obvious. There's been a few fictional so things that they've used that in. Oh, man. E-meter. What's wrong, baby? <laughs> I love that scene at the end. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Last bit of science news I got for you. Uh-huh. Scientists science. create artificial meat. <laughs> That's kind of old news. They've been working on that for a while. Yeah, they finally did meat. it. What, what, okay, tell me about artificial meat. It's, okay, well, uh, the Telegraph, the London Telegraph, reports that scientists have created the first artificial meat by extracting cells from the muscle of a live pig and putting them in a broth of other animal products where they multiply to create muscle, muscle tissue. It's described as yeah. soggy pork, which doesn't sound appetizing at no. all. No. But it's a first step. It can be turned into something like steak if they could find a way to exercise the muscle. You know, right? So it's like if your muscles atrophy, it's going to be like soggy pork. I thought they were trying that with beef, like several months back. They were using um, cow tissue. They grew grew cow tissue in a thing, and and if I remember correctly, they were using electrical stimulation to get the the meat the muscles to contract and relax. Well, no one's yet tasted it, but they believe it could uh, (laughs) lead to sausages. Anything that lead leads to sausages is good. That's true. I wish this couchcast led to sausages. Yeah. It would be PETA approved. Um, yeah, that's true. And in fact, it even says that here. Animal rights group PETA has PETA, PETA, whatever, the crackpots, have welcomed the, the, the lab-grown <laughs> meat and announced that as far as we're concerned, if meat is no longer a piece of dead animal, then there's no ethical objection, while the vegetarian society remains skeptical. The big question is how could you guarantee you were eating artificial flesh? I don't care what these people have to say. <laughs> true. Point is, I'll eat it. What if the Hey, I'm a member of the cult of the cooked cow, so you know, I'm <laughs> What if this flesh is to... consumed and it's deemed to be very tasty and very similar to human flesh? How would we know what human flesh tastes Someone like? out there knows. Someone <laughs> knows. If you know, write us comments at likelycouch.com. <laughs> um well, then we'd have cannibalist gangs roaming, roaming the earth, snatching bodies and selling them to meat. So this artificial plants. meat could lead, lead forth to, to the I like how you made that the jump. full apocalypse, you yeah. Crazy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I hope so. Well, no, uh, what I'm really Peter. hoping for is cat is a beef that isn't full of antibiotics and is doesn't uh doesn't come from these cows that are like ankle deep in shit all day. That'd be nice. I uh I, I'm kind of afraid of beef recently. I, I've been watching those Food Inc. movies, types of movies like that. I told you to stop watching those oh, things. Oh, man, I know, I know. Now I buy, like, go, antibiotic-free you know milk. Go, go to seasons, buffaloed. was it six or seven of bullshit that they talk about? Just go to that, watch that episode. You'll feel much better about yourself. You'll get it all out of your head. I know, and I had a burger today, too. Yes, yeah. you did. 
fucking and that was so full of antibiotics shut up (laughs) you know what it's good right now because i don't have health care right now in fact i recommend you eat some yogurt did you did you catch the uh the family guy with the pita joke in it this this week the one i didn't watch it the one joke but it was pretty good anyway that, hey, okay, that was fine. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been great if you'd all watched it. But that was you know. a great hey, story. Hey, people out there, did you watch hey it? audience, did you watch it? <laughs> Write to me. <laughs> Comments at uglycouch. That's a great story, Jeff. At uglycouch. Well, I have to make that now. Uh, I know. Let's see what else I got. Oh, this is just for me. I don't know if you guys are interested in this, but Microsoft's top developers prefer old school coding methods. Uh, this is the this there is you go. This is a this is a, this is a me thing. I'm always a big proponent of people coding with Notepad. Everyone says, "Oh, do you use Dreamweaver? Do you use Microsoft Visual Studio?" Fuck that! I use Notepad like a man. And even the Microsoft guys prefer old school coding methods because, as one of them said. Um, Oh, this is funny. Where is it? <laughs> Managed code is like anti-lock brakes. You used to have to be a good driver on ice or you would die. Now, you don't have to pump your brakes anymore. And this guy uh, said that programming is becoming so abstract, developers will have to use uh, Microsoft's Natal to write programs through interpretive <laughs> dance. <laughs> and it's true. It's I do like that is. line, though. Writing through interpretive dance. It's becoming so abstract and you forget how to code and it's just a mess and you need to write three pages worth of crap and buy Microsoft stuff in order to make it just a simple form. It's just ridiculous. You know what we need to do? We need to code a program that actually writes our code for us. We don't have to make it anymore. That is the program Microsoft Visual Studio. All right, so now we need to write a program that will program in Microsoft Studio to write real code. (laughs) You you hate me, don't you? You make me angry. Bastard. Let's talk about some video games. But we like you when you're angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Final Fantasy XIII is 50 to 60 hours long. Shit! (laughs) Weren't the other ones like something like 100 and some hours? I know. Not that long. Nowhere near. I'd say about 30 hours. Maybe you can go and smash every barrel and everything. The the ones that are known for being uber long are the open world stuff. uh, I mean, even Dragon Age Origins is not super open world, and that's about 60 hours. But I just, Oblivion's I can be about eighty or longer if you're not careful. Well, it's it's the turn based combat thing, which I'm not yeah, a I'm big not a fan, fan of. Either. Do you know how many times? I, I okay, look, I am a fan of the turn. He loves stuff. it. I enjoy it. I, I, I fully lost admit count it. of the number of games we have on our shelf that uh, that have that in it that he's True. bought over the years. But and a lot of that, you know, because I grew up on turn based RPGs. But well. that's beside the point. The yes. the uh, thing I'm bringing up is the fact that I don't know how many times that I have fallen asleep mid-combat in these games <laughs> that I just completely I all agree. of a sudden wake up on the couch covered in my own drool and the game is just my Xbox controller's already shut off and the game is kind of darkened because it hasn't been touched in a while mm-hmm. and the monsters are still waiting for me to go an hour later. <laughs> and you're just completely uninterested. And at that point I'm like... I gotta wake up and finish this battle so I can go to bed. Yeah, there is something to be said about the interest factor sometimes in the late night play sessions. I will give Final Fantasy this. It's very pretty. Gorgeous. Gorgeous game. Convoluted as hell. I still yeah. don't know what's happening in any of those stories. Oh, it's simple. The story is simple in all those games. There's a civilization that died, and then there's this other civilization that rose from its ashes, and it died, and it was dreaming while it died of the first civilization, but then it went through a temporal port. I don't freaking know. It's <laughs> yeah, I was all gonna goofy. Say, yeah, all I remember so. is 
somewhere in part seven, she died, and gamers everywhere cried. Huh? Exactly. You confuse me, sir. <laughs> That's confusing. No, there was, a, there was a main character. I think her name was Tiffa, and uh, she was f- with you from the beginning of the game. And the big bad guy, like three quarters of the ga- way through the game, kills her. And it was like one of the first times you got truly emotionally involved in one of your main characters that was completely just killed off. Whatever. And gave you a a meaning to go kill Sepulith or whatever the hell his name is. Final <laughs> Fantasy players like us play these games for one reason. Really awesome graphics of hot chicks in weird clothes fighting things with big swords. You know there's websites for that too, right? Yeah, but it's more fun <laughs> if it's interactive. Which again, there are websites for. And nobody wears costumes like that no. unless they're trying to wear costumes like that. that Cosplay was... cafe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ever go to Comic-Con? You'll see lots of Rikus, Yunas, <laughs> even that one chick with all the belts. Which and the I don't occasional know how that even Tiffa. Works. And the occasional Tiffa. British tennis star possibly dumped over a seven-hour-a-day gaming habit. Uh-oh. That's it? <laughs> That's right. Even celebrities can be broken up with wow. video games. British tennis star Andy Murray got the boot from his old lady after seven-hour-a-day PS3 binges. What's he playing on the PS3 for seven hours? <laughs> Uh, it was confirmed Sunday when Sears, when his uh, girlfriend, Kim Sears, didn't show up to watch him play during the ATP Tour Finals. Uh, the uh, unverifiable information was that video games, particularly an unnamed tennis game and Modern Warfare 2, were to, were to blame. Modern like, Warfare 2? That just came out! He just plays all his... <laughs> He spends all his time playing games. Um, his source, the source said that uh, he would spend all his time glued to these games. In the end, she just got fed up with it and wanted more out of the relationship. So even celebrities, albeit tennis celebrities. All right, so he spent all of his time playing tennis games? Well, tennis and Modern Warfare 2 and all that stuff. And all that stuff. I find I that a little hard to believe because if you're a tennis pro, how many hours a week are you out playing tennis and, okay. and exercising. How do you have seven hours a day to play video games, is what I'm saying. Well, maybe he wasn't a really good tennis star. Have you heard of him before? No. Well, there you go. Maybe he should be practicing. And I'll put it from the other argument. I mean, tennis, I don't care how much you enjoy it. If you're doing it professionally, it's still your job. Do you want to come home and do a simulation of your job? There is a reason I don't play root beer tapper. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't play web designer of the video game. Exactly. So that would be a very boring game. So Virtua Tennis wouldn't be my first choice if I was a tennis player. I think there's something wrong with his head. Well, have you seen his girlfriend? No, no, I haven't. Okay, here's a picture of her. All right. She looks mean. She looks angry in that picture. Yeah. They all look angry. (laughs) What do you have to be (laughs) angry about? You're dating a celebrity. Lunch is free. Yeah. Anyway. And the last last piece of news I have is good news. What good news do you Left have? Left 4 Dead sells 2 million in two weeks. Woo-hoo. Oh, wow. How much did Part 2 sell then? Left 4 Dead. That is two. Left 4 Dead. Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. Left 4 Dead 2. Doubling the sales of the date weeks. to date of the original game. See how many twos are Wow, that's there? nice. Yeah. Wow. It's already been played by over a million Xbox Live Gold account holders. And uh, the uh, downloadable content is coming very soon. So it looked like all those uh, guys out there signing the petitions to... Not play this game because what? it's just a... You didn't hear about all the petitions? No. All the, the, this, what is this business? Are you kidding me? This was a huge thing going on out Tell there. Okay, more. I don't know why huge, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But there was a group of people, angry, angry game players, who were mad that they were releasing Left 4 Bed 2 
so quickly after Left 4 Dead 1, which they deemed should be just one patched up to include all the stuff that 2 gets. Essentially, they said that 2 is just a small upgrade from Part 1. I disagree. In fact, there's a guy here on uh, Kotaku that writes, uh, for everyone that says that uh, Left 4 Dead 2 is an expansion pack, please uh, borrow a copy and play through it with the commentary on the significant improvements to the AI, the weather effects, the NPC population, item placement, new uninfected infected class. What's up? Did you say with commentary on Yes. This game has commentary? Apparently. I, I so own the there. game. Devin, I got it, and uh, I didn't even know there was commentary. If you've never played a game with commentary, oh, it's so good. I'm sure it is. I'm going to check that out. For, ner- uh, for nerds like me, oh my god. Oh, yeah, look I'd at like you. anything with commentary. I mean, commentary guys. Portal's commentary was amazing. Really? Yes. That was another whole reason to go back through Portal. Oh, damn it, now i got to play that to go, oh man. Anyway, there's new infected classes, new uncommon, common infected, new crescendo event types, new game styles, new maps, new items, new music, new character models, new character dialogue, new water rendering. It can render water flow direction, which is used to direct the player downstream, and it helped in the swamp map, by the way. Uh, ah. Yeah, this is... A lot of, lot of better stuff. Oh, I can't wait. Mine's in the mail. Anyone who says that it is a uh, simply a downloadable content pack is a freaking idiot. Well, these were people. These were internet flamers that were. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> were uh, just pissed off for no apparent reason. Apparently, it's the same problem with all kinds of things. People don't. People are snapped to judgment. They don't give it time to to explore it themselves or educate themselves on it. They form an opinion that is an uninformed opinion, and then they roll with it. Just like so. all the people right now saying, Avatar sucks. How, yeah. do, you know? How do you know? How do you know? You haven't <laughs> seen the movie yet. You haven't seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> In joke. Nyark, what do you got? Oh, I got all sorts. But you know, we're going to start off with things you don't give a shit about. There we go. Yay. We right. got three of them. And of course, Woo-hoo. as usual, they mostly have to do with remakes, but not the first one. First one announced back in 2008 by FX Labs, Archie's Riverdale Run. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he showed me a video clip of this earlier. Oh, there's, video. So there's, a tra- there's a trailer out there. In fact, those of you who listen, the introduction music and exit music that you heard for this show is the theme for this game. And oh, wow. I get a preview of the, of the music? He so, never shows us the preview of so the music until he edits the thing. Yeah, I know it. So they're, they're, today I gave him a, a heads up. But uh, yeah, Archie's Riverdale Run, based on the Archie comic book, has yet to receive a proper release date. Now, if you've seen the trailer, you'll know why. Is it M for Mature? It's, 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 it's 17. Shut up. Yeah. Betty Ooh. and Veronica. Oh, yeah. And Midge? What about Midge? Midge? Bruce and Midge? Dude, it cannot be TV. Midge? Cannot Mrs. Be. Grundy? Has a strap on. Yeah. He's lying to you. I it's, know he's lying. He always <laughs> lies to me. He's a bastard. It's, it's probably all audiences. Build yeah. as a driving. Uh, it's got to be. It's Archie. Archie's always been for everyone. Oh, really? Archie! I've seen, I've seen some pictures on the internet. <laughs> I'm sure you have. It's built as a driving and adventure game. The trailer demonstrates Archie's bold walking prowess as he roams sickeningly harmless Riverdale to the upbeat stylings of a band. Well, you'd really have to. You have to hear it to really appreciate it. Between gameplay bits, there appears to be some quasi-motion comic cutscenes, kind of um, re- reading Rainbow style. 
and uh, okay. as well as a 3D rendered high school dance montages circa 1998. Wow. This game looks horrible. Horrible. And it's an Archie game, so you don't care about this horrible game. However, the song... Do you remember when the Archies, the band, released... Sh- uh, was it Sugar Sugar? Uh, well, right? Way sorry. back, way back I, when? I was dozing off. Yes, there. you were. Yeah. <laughs> I... Uh... I gotta tell you, I don't think I'm gonna buy this one. That song is so much better than the song that they use for this. Oh my god! It's so. The not video tasty. clip of the gameplay. You realize what I'm doing now. Fest. I'm looking up. You're looking Veronica up dirty Veronica's stuff. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up uh, on things you don't care about, the Weinstein Company and Dimension Films. This is from uh, BloodyDisgusting.com. Mm-hmm. Are planning on remaking the Amityville Horror again? Oh joy. Andrew Douglas directed the 2005 reboot produced by Platinum Dunes. It grossed over $100 million at the box office. And sources say that there might be a director already in talks to develop the product, project. So, yes, they're going to remake a movie that was remade five years ago. Why? Because uh, Amityville Horror, I guess, we just can't hear that story enough. I don't get it. The... Isn't that the one with the house and the hoax? Yes, this, yeah. is, this is the hoax yeah. haunted house where the people still say it really did happen, but of course it really did happen. I thought they really came out and happen. admitted that it was a hoax. No, Aniston came out and said pretty much that it's all done, and everyone around saying it's not done, but they're like, it's no, it's real, but no, it's, it didn't happen. It was a great book, great story. Wow, if you want to talk about a great ghost story, read. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Ray Anton is his name, or Ray Anston, something like that. That wrote the book. That wrote the original book. Uh, okay. Uh, great, incredible ghost story. But, yeah, not even close to being real. But fun. Very fun. But it doesn't need another movie. I mean, I thought the remake was fine. I know a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. I didn't. It's the one that had Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan uh, Reynolds. And he he did fine in the role. You said he did before. And I don't know. Haters. Haters out there, I tell you. But now that we have a reason to hate. All right. Yeah, you're right. It does not need another. All right, now this one is the third. <laughs> this is to be the time that I've devoted the most time to a thing you did not care about. Oh boy! Because Peter Berg has come forward with a lot of uh, details regarding his Battleship movie based on the Hasbro board game. <laughs> oh god! Um, it's he. Uh, now. I got this through Chud. Chud was able to like sit and talk to him and get a lot of facts. All right, all right. But weeks ago, at uh, Latino Review, revealed that the bad guys in the battleship is not an earthly navy, but in fact an alien fleet. <laughs> what? what? So, and that's what got Berg and Universal on board to get this going, and they want to get movie information out there. That's not now. That, now it hasn't started filming. Won't start filming until next spring. All right. But they want to knock out a lot of uh, speculation. They want to knock us out of there from speculating what it will be by telling us what it is going to be. Mm. So from them to you, this are, these are kind of bullet points of what Battleship will contain. I call horseshit, but go on. The alien race is known as the Regents. They will be a combination of actors and CGI. And Berg uses uh, Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean as a reference point. As with the, how the aliens would be. Not that they'll be squid, squid faces, but that kind of technology. Okay. They have a similar bio, biological makeup to us, and they will come a place, from a place with similar ecology to ours. Our planet is of interest eco- ecologically. The aliens aren't on Earth to take over or destroy us, but they have a goal on Earth. All right. They're, built, they're building something. 
And that goal brings aliens into conflict with the five-ship fleet. They don't have super technology. That's not a fleet. That's just five ships. It's a five-ship fleet. That's just five ships. Five-ship You can't fleet. just keep saying it and make it true. It's, <laughs> that's not how it works. It's true. The, region, the regions don't have super technology. Their weapons are ba- ballistics-based. Their boats are inserted in Earth's atmosphere through flights. Once they get on the water, they stay on the water. At least one of their ships is damaged, which is partially why they're likely on Earth. Now, we get to know, we get to know the regions now. All right? He doesn't intend to keep the tactics and their missions a big secret from the audience. We get to see some of the action from the regent's side. Are you getting excited yet? No. If one of the regions shouts, you sank my battleship somewhere in the movie, I'm standing up and walking out. I'm getting to that. Oh, I am no. Well, so far, that would be the only thing reminiscent of Battleship at all. <laughs> I don't remember this version of the game. I'm sorry. Even with the home rules. ILM is doing the regents. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. People will do anything. Look, uh, Battleship is a great game. It's mm-hmm. a great game. Even like coffee houses. This coffee house I used to go to, Cafe Copio. God, I missed that place. He used to have little battleship things, and we'd play battleship and drink our coffee like yeah. pretentious college snobs. Battleship got converted into a uh, slot machine where the special prize was you get to play a game of battleship. And that was fun, and it worked really, really well. I remember I used to play it at the Stratosphere. Um, a movie, <laughs> a TV show, a comic book, anything requiring a narrative is such a stupid idea, it boggles the mind how stupid you have to be. Like, you could take a stupid person and beat them over the head until they're bloody and their brains are are coming out their nose, and yet that person would think Battleship, the movie, TV show, comic book, anything like that, is a bad idea. So you say that now. Oh, yeah. But you haven't let me finish because now I get to the point of how it ties into... The great Hasbro battleship. Gimme. The hero of the film is commanding officer of a destroyer. The destroyer is the main ship of the film. The hero has a team of five guys. Along them will be an XO, a Mustang, a chief engineer, who Berg calls a modern-day Scotty. Regents, here you go, will in some way render the Navy's high-tech inoperable. Falling back to old school methods. Our heroes must track and destroy the alien fleet with whatever tools they have, including trial and error, just like in the game. So we're going to have half an hour of the ships, B5. I'm going to quote Berg here. C7. Miss. The, quote, these ships don't constantly show up on our radar. We can't find them. The ways we go about fighting them is, by re- recur- is a recurring theme throughout the film, i.e. Battleship. Peter Berg, stick to acting and sports movies. This, there's more strategic warfare. Again, this is since the alien tech is not unbeatable or far from our own, and Burke wants to reflect the game, the battle won't be about Navy fighting an unstoppable opponent, but rather about two evenly matched groups outthinking one another through strategy. Someone will say, you sank my battleship in the movie. In fact, Berg oh. is adamant that it has to be there. He said there will also be other nods to the game. What can, other nods are there? Can they two say little it kids, like two little kids are fighting and one of them goes out? Yay! Like that. I that hope so. That's it. That's the only nod I can think of. Can they say it like the Grim Reaper from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? You have sank my battleship. No, 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 they won't. No. 
That wouldn't lend in any any goodness. To continue on, the, the hero, the, there's more. There's more. The, what? He, the hero fleet will be cut off from the rest of the world in some way. There'll be a five ship fleet taking on the regents for whatever reason. They cannot communicate with the rest of the navy. And they must handle the threat on their own. There will be close quarters fighting in the navy. They call it uh, knife fights when two ships are close together and you they fire small do? caliber weapons at each other. I'm gonna. I'm gonna download this when when it comes around. There's no way in hell I'm gonna pay for it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it the entire way through, and I'm gonna pick it apart. Berg wants to make battleship as realistic as a naval battle can possibly be, considering the bad guys are aliens. Berg do, opted do, not to have any earthly foe because he thought that plot gymnastics required to explain why U.S. Navy is at war with somebody else. Blah blah blah. Modern warfare too. You know, they're casting now. Plot gymnastics. Fucking aliens aren't in <laughs> plot gymnastics. If one of them walks up to the captain and says, "Her pattern." His pattern is uh, is indicative of two-dimensional thinking. Yeah, I'm done. They're casting now. Berg says he's a fan of the way J.J. Abrams cast Star Trek. Take that for whatever you may. Mm. Means he's going to cast a bunch of unknowns in a movie about an unknown plot of a boring game. Congratulations, Peter Berg. You have outlined the worst movie Ever and what? if I, I, if this is a if this is an April Fool's joke, I'm, I'm more power to you. Hats ha, off ha. to you, pal. Hats yeah. off. he's outdone me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't top that. But it's not. It's true. Watch in like a week, he's gonna say, "Ha ha, I fooled you all. I'm remaking Citizen Kane. Great." <laughs> but this is freaking horrible. This is the worst idea for a movie since Spice World. I see this having an ending very similar. To the Hill Street Blues season uh, series finale, where it backs off in the uh, the uh, spoiler alert for Hill Street Blues people that the <laughs> whole thing took place in a snow globe in a special child's room. What? Is that how it ended? Yeah. Are you kidding? Except this one, it just it just pulls back from this this over solar shot the way up through the sky the ships everything everything the battle is done it's won and now over through the sky through space and all of a sudden you're up and above two kids playing battleship and the other one punches the other kid in the face and that's how the movie ends so, so kind of like men in, into men in black <laughs> yeah. that kind of a zoom yeah, out that thing. kind of thing perfect they're playing marbles with the, yes. the galaxies yes it is the men in black oh. ending that's how it's going to end it's going to be two seven year olds playing battleship going that was a dumb story you just made up about our game. You did it, Ted. You just beat death. You, you sank you my battleship. You did it again. <laughs> I did. I'm I right now the other day again. compiling a list of things I'd rather do than watch that film. <laughs> Congratulations, Peter Berg. So, so do we have anything interesting in your hand there? Yes. Okay, now we're going on to interesting things. I do oh, have plenty of God. interesting things. I can wake up now. All right. Uh, on the small side. Stupid uh, movie. Stupid idea. But now, good movie with great idea. Oren Pelly, director of the Breakout Smash Paranormal Activity, of course, has been following up with Area 51, the, his uh, next film. It's kind of the same gimmick like Paranormal, but this time it's Alien instead of demons. I think it'd be a gimmick. Because it's, uh, maybe he's a one-trick pony, but you know Everybody what? Needs a that's needs that's a, a very fine trick he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all right if he's a one-trick pony, as long as that trick is fun to watch. What a twist. He, but the, the difference is that he brought this movie in for under $5 million. 
The so, sequel, or are you talking about the original? I, no, I'm not. I'm talking about Area 51. Oh, okay. Which is not a sequel to Paranormal Activity. Well, no, yeah, no. I, yeah, making I a bunch just, of cheap movies. It's his, his next film. But he finished this $5 million pick, uh, under $5 million pick, uh, a couple weeks ago. And now... What? Yeah. Area 51 is now done shooting. And now it's an ending. Uh, apparently, while I was making the deal with Paramount for Area 51, he came to understanding about Paranormal Activity 2, which is the next deal that he's making with the studio. So... That is what's oh. in line for this new uh, Wunderkind. Uh, so, so he actually is going to be a part of Paranormal Activity too, because I thought Paramount well, was it, running with that with a different. Well, set like of it, it says that he's come to some kind of understanding about it, and he's making a deal with the studio. It doesn't say that he's involved. Okay. So I don't know what that means, but that means there will be a Paranormal Activity too, obviously. But uh, but it's the official word now. Speaking of, speaking of Stephen King, a little earlier, Under the mm-hmm. Dome, that monster thousand-page novel he just released, yeah. which I'm hearing great things about, by the way, has been optioned by DreamWorks for a limited series. Hmm. Spielberg hmm. himself will be producing in some capacity. Really? Right now, they're looking for writers before they begin shopping around to the networks, but Under the Dome is on its way to Stephen King television land near you. Hmm. Is that the one with like it's like a vacation village or something that's like completely isolated? I'm trying to remember the the synopsis of the basic the synopsis dome. is the Simpsons movie. Okay, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a town a, that's a town completely that's isolated. A, this mystery dome over it. Now, before you start yelling, you know, foul. This idea for this film came way before the Simpsons. This is not yeah. the first time a dome over a city thing has ever happened in the yeah. storyland, folks. But yeah, I'm very excited about this. I enjoy the Stephen King miniseries so far. Even the the uh, crappiest ones were at least entertaining. I'm not really a huge fan of Stephen King, but mm-hmm. there's some entertainment value there. I, I'm looking forward to tackling this novel. Oh, well, I just you don't need to have take a va- to read. I, yeah, I just need to take a vacation to do it, or just not read your, you know, Terminator and philosophy books, and just take it with you when you, <laughs> when you go to eat before work. Yes, but that's I can't take a novel like that and I have to take that in big chunks, big bites, big bites. We're taking the whole steak in your mouth. Yeah, gotcha. Did that get you hot? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Any kind of steak reference is good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to quote this one directly from Chad because right. I just I like this. Here's the rule: I don't think Hollywood marketing departments quite understand yet. Your characters, monsters, and other designs for big geek properties will be revealed by toys, book tie-ins, and other promotional items if you don't reveal them yourselves first. Such is the case when it comes to the face of Freddy Krueger in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, Warner <laughs> Brothers has been hiding Freddy's face. Uh, NECA, a good job in the- Nika Toy Photo gives away the whole thing, the whole outfit, in fact. Um, now, Devin from Chud saw this makeup live and in person on... Uh, What's his face? And thought it was delightfully realistic and unsettling. Now we saw a picture. It of, is unsettling. Of the t- that was a picture of the toy. That's really? Coming out. That's that's not the actor. That's uh that's how good that toy well, looks. You think if they wanted to protect the face of it, they'd have an agreement with the toy manufacturers. You can't release any any pictures of this toy, or you will be sued. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you know that what? they're tearing their heads and adds out a little bit on this. This is not unprecedented, though. No, I mean, it's this, always happened. This happens a lot. Hell, hell, uh, Barry, weren't you with me when Paul was all excited about opening his episode two Star Wars toys, and he tears open the package of. Uh, uh, I think that uh, was Django Fett, and the head pops off, 
and he said it was spoiled for him because he yeah. knew he knew that the guy's going to get his head cut off in yep. the movie. Yep. <laughs> I remember. I remember also when uh, we were looking at the uh, episode one soundtrack, and on the back of the episode one soundtrack, oh yeah, it's death of Qui Gon, death of Qui Gon. <laughs> like what the, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's, oh, like, so it's like having a soundtrack where in Empire Strikes Back, like one of the last songs is Vader says, "Luke, hey, I'm your father." Yeah, like, hey, come on. It's yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So yeah, there's no way of protecting yourself from uh, corporate spoilers out there. If there's a movie tie-in, yeah, be prepared. You're gonna. There's a way. Don't release the video game until a few weeks after. Don't release the toys until like a week after. Just, just wait. Just wait. Just a little. Yeah. Or or just yourself, or, and all the rest of you stay off the internet. Offer the toys or the video show. games as pre-orders on that day, and just don't reveal what they look like. People will buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. Remember the Star Wars toy thing where they didn't have enough and they gave people cardboard things saying, hey, your toys are coming soon. We don't yeah, have yeah. enough for Christmas. People yeah, bought them were, anyway. Yep, people bought the... the... It was one of the first pre-sells for toys. And that was the worst thing that they could have done for Lucas because Lucas realized something. He's not an idiot. Only, <laughs> only as a director and a writer. Uh, he's a He's a, he's a marketing genius. and merchandising yeah. genius. He says, oh my true. God, people will buy anything. And that's why I have all this Star Wars crap in my house. Well, <laughs> I mean... I will buy anything. I think he specifically said He was the first person to ever give up anything. his director's oh, fee for the merchandising rights. Mm-hmm. And the studio was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you here have the merchandising rights. They thought it was worthless, and it, you know, he proved Wrong. that it was far from worthless. The guy has made most of his fortune off of the merchandising of three films. Yeah, yep. Blessed be. Wow. I don't fault the guy for it. Don't get no, me wrong. No. I think it was a He's brilliant a hero move. for it. He, as far he made as it possible his... for me to have Empire Strikes Back sheets when I was a kid. Yeah. I had, Star, I had the Star Wars sheets. Yeah. <laughs> Deb was going to get me sheets, but she couldn't find them to fit our queen bed. Oh. Oh, God. There are places awesome. that do sell them queen oh, size. Really? You have to go online. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later about that. All right. <laughs> Don't tell me. Tell her. Oh, okay. <laughs> Christmas present. Are you sad? Generally. Are you listless? Yes. A little little depressed with the way life is going for you right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, a man in China barely escaped death after a farmer's pitchfork was hurled through his car and impaled his face in a bizarre accident. So it could be worse. So yes, I feel better because Kong Z was sitting in his car while outside a farmer's market when a farmer aiming for hay bales hurled his pitchfork that mistakenly went through his windshield, reports the Austrian Times. Incredibly... The fork had missed Z's brain by fractions of an inch. Pinned to his seat by the fork, firemen were called to free him from the vehicle. Quote Z, I felt a searing pain in the side of my head, and when I tried to move it, I couldn't because it had pierced my head, Z told reporters. I couldn't see how bad it was, but when people came to the window and started screaming, I realized it was bad. I could feel the blood. Z is expected to make a full recovery, and police say the pitchfork thrower will face charges for charges for endangering public safety. If you want to see a picture of the pitchfork in Z's face, go to tabloidprodigy.com, because they've got it. I want to see a picture of someone with a pitchfork in their face. you got to scroll down a bit, but you'll see it eventually. It might even be on the second page. But, uh, but yeah, 
So be happy. Freaky, yeah. Because you never know in yeah. this life when a pitchfork will randomly go in your face. That is true. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, let's see. Yeah, you got to keep going. Pitchfork. While you're looking for pitchfork, I'm going to continue on. Pitbull rapes two-year-old boy. <laughs> what do we got here? <laughs> it's such a great song. OJ Simpson, the OJ Terminator. Simpson, what? Terminator. Uh, Hello, bikinis. Yeah, we're going to skip that for now. We'll go back to it. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Love it. The book that's very much Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but with zombie attacks and Elizabeth uh, ripping out a ninja still beating a heart, is apparently going to be made into a miniseries. Oh, really? <laughs> According to the book's Twitter and io9, no word on who will be making it or when it will air, but oh, it's wow. on its way. There you go. Pitchfork face man. Oh, man. Just go to Tabloid Prodigy and search for Pitchfork. It's from the 27th of November, and there's totally a Pitchfork in that dude's head. <laughs> That's fucked up. See? In the face! In the face! Horrible. Ugh. All right, I got two more things before I go on to something fun. Okay. Uh, digital distribution service, Direct-to-Drive. We all know Direct-to-Drive. Oh, yes. We've, yes. we've had fun there. They're currently celebrating the 24 days leading up to Christmas okay. by discounting a select PC title every day from now until December 25th. So really? If you, want to get some, if you want your Black Monday to extend a little bit on your PC gaming, all the way to Christmas, folks. Every day, Direct-to-Drive will give you something new. Huh. Just thought I'd pass that along. Good to know. Cool. And Activision announced... Uh, Actually, this morning, this is Tuesday, that uh, according to data garnered by the uh, NPD chart track and GFK and internal estimates, the Call of Duty franchise has accumulated $3 billion sales over its lifetime. Wow. Wow. As with all the densest among you have deduced, Call of Duty was put over the top by the release of Modern Warfare 2. It moved $550 million in its first five days in sale. How many Call of Duties have there been? Uh, that would be the uh, fifth one, officially. Okay, okay. So and that goes all the way back to the original PC Call of Duty. Oof. So that was, what, about 2000, 2001, something like that? Yeah. So $3 billion in these eight years. Not bad. Good not job, bad, Activision. Not bad at all. Good job, Activision. Keep up the good work. Cool. All right, now this this is uh, this is fairly enjoyable. I can't help but really really love this okay now there's a site out there i think it's called comic alliance yeah there's a guy named uh, chris sims he uh, put this little uh, blog together because uh, some guy was uh taking his review of punisher 11 to task now chris sims wrote a review of punisher 11 and it's uh, in this title a character's dismembered body is stolen by a swamp monster, stitched up by Morbius, the living vampire, so that he can defend Monster Island from a renegade team of Japanese monster-hunting super samurai. I'm already lost. Yeah. yeah. Now, a reader responded by saying that he didn't see the appeal of this concept being used in the coral core Marvel Universe. Yeah. Meaning that's fringe stuff. That's not going to happen in a Marvel comic book. Okay. Oh, really? Well, Sims took him completely to task. And I just have, and again, if you want to follow along on in any of this, Comics Alliance has the whole thing. But here's some of the things that are part of the core Marvel universe that we all know and love. Oh, here we go. All right. In the core Marvel universe, a scientist 
who tried to beat the Russians to the moon by hijacking a spaceship with his best friend, his girlfriend, and her kid brother, which resulted in them becoming monsters, albeit popular and famous monsters, faced his greatest challenge when a spaceman made of metal came to Earth on his flying surfboard to see if it was good enough planet for his boss, a giant spaceman in a purple miniskirt who survived the Big Bang, to eat. <laughs> Core Marvel Universe. Yeah. If, yep. if, if anybody out there does not know what that is, turn in your geek card. I mean, seriously, right now. In the Core Marvel Universe, the most popular person is a 120-year-old Canadian berserker samurai who has been to the moon and was in love with a psychic who destroyed an alien planet and came back from the <laughs> dead, married to both Japanese royalty and a green-haired terrorist, and had a child with a woman from a hidden region of Antarctica where dinosaurs and cavemen live. When he is not fighting his enemies, most of whom are versions of himself, some of whom have claws made of lasers, he reaffirms his status as a tough-as-nails loner as a member of at least three superhero teams. Who the hell has claws made of lasers? I don't know. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. Wow, that's some obscure shit. In the core Marvel Universe, the flagship's character's girlfriend was tragically killed when she was thrown off a bridge by an industrialist in a flying piece of sheet metal who later died, but came back and killed an alien queen in the head on television. I don't know this one. That would, uh, that would be actually Green Goblin. Spider-Man. In the core Marvel Universe, a gritty crime story is the one where a blind lawyer ninja dressed as the devil fights a massive sumo wrestler with a cane that shoots lasers who employs both the major league baseball pitcher who killed a batter with a fastball and the blind lawyer ninja's girlfriend, the daughter of a diplomat who herself became a ninja, died and came back to life and was once replaced by an alien shapeshifter. That's a lot of ninjas. (laughs) You know it. Oh, that's good stuff. In the core Marvel Universe, <laughs> there are countries ruled by people with names like Victor Von Doom and Blackgar Boltagon. And <laughs> that's just some of the stuff that he puts out there. Now, he said, no, you know what? Oh, let's open this up. He put it out there to the Twitter land. Oh, no. And Twitter land sent him a few more. Of course they did. Manolis said, in the core Marvel Universe, a girl can date a teen from the future in the robot body of the husband of the witch who killed her dad. That's confusing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Zeter says, A guy bitten by a radioactive spider found a costume machine that turned out to be an alien that hates church bells. <laughs> Jeremy says, In the core of Marvel Universe, a teenage boy was supposedly killed on a mission to destroy a secret World War II weapon. In reality, he was turned into a brainwashed cyborg assassin for the Soviet Union. This is often considered the grittiest, most serious Captain America story. Wow. In addition, in the core Marvel Universe, Norse God of Thunder had his hammer stolen when he lost a fight with a cyborg horse from space and his talking starship. But that's okay, because they're brothers now. <laughs> yes. Frick. Such tasty goodness. Now, there's a, there's a couple more, because i got to throw them out. This is uh, the original Chris Sims uh, pieces. In the core Marvel Universe, worldwide espionage is handled by a World War II veteran who is immortal thanks to a serum and who spends a good deal of his time thwarting evil, either his evil brother, who leads a cartel of hor- horoscope-themed villains, or HYDRA, which is not an acronym but is always capitalized anyway, an organization whose plans have included blowing up Washington, D.C. with a horn. He does this by employing a flying aircraft carrier, robot duplicates of himself, a flying car, and a suit that is also a kite. Hold on. Fury's immortal? Yeah. Didn't know that. Serum. Didn't know that. 
He's also black in one uh, Ultimates version. Yeah. Which is awesome. Played by Sam Jackson. Sam in Jackson. In the serious core Marvel Universe, Thor, the literal Norse god of thunder, was turned into a frog for three issues, including one where his magic hammer turned him into a six-foot, six-inch frog man, or frog god, which had the side effects of <laughs> chipping his hammer so that another frog, who had once been a man before he was cursed by a fortune teller, could turn into a normal-sized frog god, which came in handy when he had to team up with a teleporting dog and a saber-toothed tiger to get magic gems back from an alien on Jupiter's moon who was in love with a living embodiment of death. Dude, that in the 70s, and people were taking drugs, wasn't it? That's, That's... the Infinity Gauntlet, dude. What? <laughs> That what? story has Loki all over it. <laughs> I thought I read the Infinity Gauntlet. Maybe I didn't. Yes, sir. That is it. That's some twisted shit. And finally, since the co- the issue was with Punisher, in the core Marvel oh, universe... Oh, now Punisher's near and dear to my heart. That's my favorite character. The Punisher fought a giant bulletproof transvestite who survived being smothered by the fat of a morbidly obese man, decapitated, and thrown off the Empire State Building in <laughs> that order before he was finally done in by a nuclear bomb. This is considered one of the more serious Punisher storylines. <laughs> that is that that last sentence is a lie. It is not considered one of the more serious ones. That's one of the, the Garth Ennis. That is the Garth Ennis craziness, where he goes nuts with the Russian, who's got like two or three hearts and huge tits because of the hormones he has to take. To, it, it, that's just silliness. Which the Punisher movie was loosely based on. Yeah, I know, which is weird. Yeah, uh, which was an awesome movie. I actually like the Thomas Jane one. Uh, the, the second no. one, the War Zone. Yeah, I actually kind of dug that. It. Was great. I just got the Blu-ray. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. Punisher's never had crazy weird. Not like the rest of the Marvel Universe has had crazy weird. Punisher doesn't go into crazy weird. He kills drug dealers and mob people and stuff. Yes, yes, indeed he does. But I I do love the fact. It really made me stop and think about the comic books that I read. And like, wow, this is just amazing horseshit. Well, they are comic books. Yes, they are. So, So all those people out there, you're getting serious about your funny books? Realize what you're reading, break it down to its basic form, and don't argue that it's some kind of heavy-duty literature. It might have some heavy themes to it, yes. However, Space Dude on a surfboard pretty much sums it up. Pretty much. That's kind of like with that, the latest G.I. Joe movie, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get comments on it. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. Uh, I actually thought it was not bad. Well, you're an I, idiot. Uh, uh, opinion and, is wrong. Know, Paul watched it with me. Here's here's, oh, here's the limit test. Paul and you know Bradley, what? There's a and you know good, what? good judge of movies. Paul thought it was decent too. I was expecting him to just hate it and start booing it all the way through. But uh, you know, it wasn't bad. At the same time though, I had to remind myself this is not a movie based in reality. This is movie a movie based on a toy. Let me tell and you a something. comic book or and a comic book. And a TV show. Let me tell you something about Paul Mattingly. <laughs> tell me something about. <laughs> tell, tell me something I don't Mattingly. know about Paul. Which Mattingly. is it is Paul Mattingly's birthday. So happy birthday, yes, yes, guy! Happy birthday. Um, I have known Paul Mattingly since 1998. This is 11 years, and he's he and I have shared many a meal. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, played and many, many an a video game and an ar- many shared many an argument over those video games and movies. 
And uh, Paul doesn't like a lot of stuff that I like, and I don't like a lot of stuff Paul likes. But uh, I have come to the conclusion, after many, many years of observing him, that he was raised by teenage girls, (laughs) and his tastes in movies... He is a teenage girl. (laughs) Suck. So... Well, if but Paul all likes I'm saying, GI Joe, he's wrong. All I'm saying is <laughs> he's wrong to do I so. I was an- anticipating a total hate fest during the movie, and he actually liked it. He said it wasn't bad. Did I, you see it, Barry? I I I, well, I downloaded it because I couldn't bear to uh, pay for it, and I'm glad I did. I didn't miss it. Oh, I saw it for free too. I mean, Rick bought the Blu-ray, so <laughs> so someone paid money for it. Rick bought the Blu-ray. Rick, there's a story behind it. I'll, I'll tell God. you. I'll tell you later why Rick bought no, okay. the Blu-ray. No, 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 no. Well, maybe this is something we can't share that. to the world. So, can you share it to the world? Uh, I don't know. It depends on whether he he listens to this or not. So, <laughs> okay, so go ahead and share it with the world. Uh, it was the it was the movie that he and his girlfriend both saw. The first movie they saw together. So he had to go oh, buy sentimental attachment that's to GI Joe the movie. Sentimental attachment. Uh, it's good for something. Wow. Okay. That's like having sentimental attachment to Ishtar. <laughs> Christ. Which, which my friend Jason Nagati does have a sentimental attachment I can, I can to. Understand he actually that. likes that movie. Because <laughs> uh, my, my old girlfriend, uh, Christina, and I, we had a sentimental attachment to I Spit on Your Grave for the same reason. So, <laughs> oh, oh, really? Did you ever act it out? Uh, well, yeah, but I had to play the girl. It was no fun. Uh, speaking of I Spit on Your Grave oh. uh, and other movies like that, Twilight. Um <laughs> We're going to have a little Twilight watching marathon. We are going to... Well, keep in mind, we talk shit about Twilight all the time. Twilight sucks, da-da-da-da. And I realized something. I'm a hypocrite. Yeah, we are. We're completely Um, hypocrites. We haven't seen this. We have not seen this film. We have not seen New Moon. We have not read the Twilight books. Every person I know who has read a bit of them or watched the films, and these are people from different walks of life with different tastes, all say... It sucks. Okay. People who don't like the stuff I like, people who like the stuff I like, people in between. Everyone. It's unfortunate Paul's not here. He's the only one of the four of us that has seen the first movie. Well, he hated it. Yeah. He, he angrily, angrily he, hated it. He laughed it all the way through. Right. So, uh, Todd and I are going to watch it. We're going to watch it. We're going we're to... You're welcome to join us. We're going to take it in. You know what? Am I going to have to watch this too? You know what? Maybe. If, you know what? Just to say... I'll, you know, I'll put, uh, I'll put it on the Netflix queue. I'll put it right to the top so it'll send it to us. That way... Uh, no, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. I, I, that I, I, that, that way Netflix will have more of an excuse to think you're gay. Oh, indeed. <laughs> indeed it will. We'll, I'll spare you that. I'll get it. I'll acquire it. All and right. uh, we will watch this thing. We'll watch the super deluxe version. All right. No commentary. You and Deb should watch it, Barry. Yeah, have a, have <laughs> a make no. the two of you no, watch she it. Won't, she won't watch it with me. I'm, I'm sure of this. I'm positive. <laughs> I'm going to subject myself to this so that I can tell you exactly why. It's good or bad. Well, I just thought it would Probably be good bad. to have a, a female opinion since the four of us guys. Okay, just well, then obviously gonna... she, she's more than welcome to join us. Well, or, that's... you know, she could do anything else with her time because I know she's not going to want to do this. I'm volunteering to waste my freaking time watch this. Or if one of our female fans out there wants you know to come I... watch this, write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. Yeah. Send us your opinions on it. I say it's not a waste of time because it will either back up what we say, or it will completely, we, we could eat crow. We could say, wow, that was cinematic excellence. No? 
No. Anybody? No, no. I, no. I, I, I don't think I would go so far as to say cinematic excellence, no. All right. Not even. But you know what? I'm, what we're saying is we're going to give it a chance. Yeah. We're, we're giving it a chance it to stand on its court. own merits. All we are saying is, is give, give Twilight a chance. <laughs> <laughs> at the end, we will either be Team Edward or Team Jacob or, in the t-shirts that I want to make, Team Who Gives a Shit. Yes. Team Twilight Sucks, which may happen. And speaking of who gives a shit, what do you give a shit about? Write to us, comments at UglyCowShow.com, or leave us a comment on the website. That's always fun and easy to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, follow us, follow the Ugly Cow Show, Twittering, uh, iTunes, the strange Zoom things that are going on. Podbean.com, and spread the word. Absolutely. Yes, the, uh, yes tweeps. The best marketing is word of mouth. So until then, I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlogger. 80s Jeff. And have a great week in Geek. I love you. Stop telling me that. I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to them. No, I lied. The sun is shining bright, yeah, yeah.